Amen. There's a wonderful presence of the Lord that is here right now. I think sometimes as a people of God, we can go through life and just take the presence of God for granted in our life and the fact that His blessing is upon our life and His favor is upon our life. And sometimes it's kind of easy to forget about those things in just one moment of opposition that we face. And then that becomes the focus of our attention and the focus of even our prayer sometimes. But He was God before time began. Amen. And He knows exactly where you are in this moment of time, never taken by surprise. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to Judges chapter 8. And there we'll read one verse, verse 34. I do want to mention this morning that uh, yesterday, 5 o'clock here at the church, we had our uh, second Spanish service. And I'm excited. We have five brand new Latinos. Amen. That we're in the house of God. I believe it's the beginning of what God's going to do among this community. Amen. I met these folks, beautiful, beautiful people. Had a chance to talk with them for a few moments. And we're looking forward to what God is going to do here at the Pentecostals of Miramichi in this community. Amen. Judges chapter 8, verse 34. And the children of Israel remembered not their God who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side. The New Living says they forgot the Lord their God who rescued them from all the enemies surrounding them. The children of Israel, the people of God, remembered not the Lord. I want to preach from this title this morning, Forgotten Favor. Forgotten Favor. Brother Billy, I wonder if you'd pray this morning over the word. Everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Forgotten favor. In the world of psychology, it has a concept that is known as the negativity bias. The term negativity bias was coined by researchers Paul Rosen and Edward Poisman. You say, well, just what is that, Pastor? What is the negativity bias? The negativity bias, it is a cognitive or a, a bias of the mind that results in adverse effects, having a more significant impact on our psychological state than that of positive events. Negativity bias, it occurs when adverse events and positive events of the same magnitude, but yet the negative events comes out being more intense in who we are and the way that we live our life. Where the negative bias occurs, and, and, and it, is, it is well studied that this negative bias, it is long understood concept. Negativity bias causes our emotional response to negative events to feel amplified or feel bigger than it really is compared to similar positive events. Negativity bias is linked to loss aversion, a cognitive bias that describes why pain of losing is psychologically twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining. You say, well, kind of let's, let's bring it down to the simplicity of where we are. And there's a, oh, it's up there already. Boy, she's good to me. There is what they call the negativity bias. And this is, you can have a bunch of good things in your life. 
You can have them piled up in your life. You can, you can kind of be overtaken and overwhelmed with those things. And then all of a the sudden, there's one bad thing. And all of a sudden, all of the good is instantly forgotten. All of the blessings are somehow put to the back of our life. All of the favor of God is simply forgotten in that moment of time because of that one bad thing, because of that one bit of opposition that we have. In, in, just, in just looking at this diagram this past week, I was reminded of the book of Genesis and the account of Eve in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the Lord took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. You see, the Bible, it doesn't tell us how many fruit trees were in the Garden of Eden. But it was essentially their grocery store. I know that as God, our creator, he does things right. And he does things big. So I'm sure in that garden it housed thousands and thousands of fruit trees. Thousands of things where they could be provided for. And thousands of pieces of fruit that they could eat and get their needed sustenance. All of those trees are offered to Adam and Eve. And that's a positive thing. God said, there it is. It's out before you. I'm going to give you it all. He said, but there's one. And that comes up as the negative in our account. Eve allows the serpent to focus her attention on that one single tree that she couldn't have. She allows this one tree that she did not have access to to become the single article that dominates her thoughts and dominates her mind and dominates her spirit. You see, this is a dangerous thing because she could have instead of, she could have been focusing on the thousands of fruit trees that she did have access to. God had provided everything that this first couple would need. Eve's life was blessed with paradise. You read about the Garden of Eden. It was a wonderful, wonderful place. I can imagine the Bible describes a river that flowed through the garden for uh, them to drink from. And the Bible describes these trees that were there and the green that was there. And it was just a, it was a virtual paradise, if we can imagine it in our mind's eye this morning. And Eve's life, she was blessed to live in this paradise. She was blessed to have the provision of God all around her every moment of her life. In fact, everything that she enjoyed came from creation. Back then, there was no Man manufactured things. Everything that they needed, God gave them. Now, I believe that's still true today, but man has intervened kind of in the situation and started manufacturing. But everything that they needed, it was provided right there by God. And he didn't just give them a little, but he gave them plenty. In fact, he gave them more than they could ever consume, more than they could ever eat. Why? Because he had given them a plan. He said, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. So God was already planning for a population explosion. God was already planning for this future population to be fed. 
So they were living in this paradise, and they had the provision of God, and it was plentiful. And the Scripture tells us that they were living in this partnership with God. And every day in the cool of the day, God would walk in the midst of the garden. He would talk with Adam and Eve. And what a wonderful communication, and what an amazing relationship that they had with one another. And the favor of God, it was stamped all over the life of Eve. But she allowed herself to forget about God's favor in this one moment of time. If this pattern of negativity, bias, thinking describes you today, I don't want you to get down on yourself. The only real flaw that you have today is the fact that you are human because humanity is fallen. Humanity is frail and faulty and flawed. This type of negativity, bias, thinking, it is our default setting as humanity. Whether you know it or not, you were born that way. But the truth is that we cannot live a healthy spiritual life while allowing our mentality, while allowing this particular negativity bias mentality to rule our lives. The Bible is careful to remind us as a people of God of the necessity to remember things. Again and again, we're reminded in Scripture, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, it says, remember thy creator. Deuteronomy 15 and 15, it advises us to remember the Lord who saved you. Deuteronomy 16 and 3 says, remember God set you free. First Chronicles uh, uh, tells us to remember the wonders that God has done. Deuteronomy 8 and 11 says, forget not the Lord. Psalm 103 in verse 2 tells us to forget not the benefits of the Lord. Psalm 78 in verse 7 says to forget not the works of the Lord. We could go on with these, but I think this is sufficient to say, you, you say, well, why do we need these reminders, Pastor? We need these reminders because as humans, we tend to forget quickly about the good and instantly recall the bad. In fact, I believe there's some of you that are going through some things in your life this morning that has carried your thought process through this entire service. You haven't got what God wanted to give you here this morning because you've been caught in the middle of this negativity uh, phase. I remember we were driving along in Dad's old 1978 LTD. You remember those days when the cars were big and the doors were heavy? And he had an eight track, and he put that eight track in, and it was Dottie Rambo, and she began to sing, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Just remember, I'm human, and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. I can tell you this morning, as good as that line is, God never forgets that we're human. God never forgets how he made us. God never forgets how he shaped us. God never forgets that we have now a fallen nature. Let, let this, uh, m this morning be a heavenly reminder to you that this man of God steps to the pulpit this morning to declare that you are blessed and that God is good and never forget that. I said this morning, you are blessed. You have the favor of God, and God is good. And that, my friend, is something that we should never, ever forget. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, When my soul fainted within me. Anybody ever had a moment like that? When everything just went south. 
when I didn't think I could take another step, at that moment, I remembered the Lord. Do you know what simply recalling to memory the goodness of the Lord, the faithfulness of God, the love of God will you do to you in a moment when everything seems to be going down, everything seems to be going wrong? When you remember the Lord, something will change in your spirit. He says, and I know my prayer came unto thee in thy holy temple. You can just ask the children of Israel how important it was to remember what the Lord had done. Israel had been slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. They had cried out to the Lord for their deliverance. God, don't you see what we're going through? God, don't you see the taskmasters? God, don't you sense the sweat of our brow? And don't you see how we're being punished? And they cried out to God for their deliverance. And the scripture says that God heard them. And God acted on their behalf as he does for us today. God powerfully delivers them from the hand of Pharaoh. But not three days into their journey, they came to a dead-end street. They came to a place where they stand and stood vulnerable and seemed helpless. The Red Sea was in front of them. There were cliffs on either side of them, and Pharaoh was gaining ground from behind. They're completely hemmed in. And in that moment, they forget the favor of God. They forget these plagues that they had just saw God work for their deliverance. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, it says, When Pharaoh drew, uh, drew near the, to the children of Israel, they lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou brought us here away in the wilderness to die? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt? They they're kind of thinking back. We, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to take place. Moses, just leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been, for, excuse me, better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness here. You see, we tend to forget God in uncomfortable times. The uncomfort of that moment is then magnified as we begin to think about it, as we begin to dwell on it, and it takes over our thoughts, it takes over our mind, and it takes over our spirits until God is completely pushed out of the equation. The problem is God will never be able to bring us into promise if we don't learn to remember the favor of God that he has already showed in our life. Because you will face uncomfortable times. You will face times when you will be caused to be afraid. You will face times when you will wonder what is going on. We know what happened when Israel stalled out at this dead-end street as the enemy was gaining ground. Once again, the favor of God is on them, and God parts the Red Sea, and miraculously God delivers them. And the enemy is destroyed in that same moment. Israel begins to celebrate the favor of God. It tells us that they had a party right there on the shore. They began to sing songs of deliverance. They, they had the tambourines and they began to dance. Ain't God good to give us so many blessings. Here we are once again experiencing the favor of God. And they begin to walk in the favor of God for a few more days. And then they forget favor once again. Exodus 16, I'm reading from the New Living in the Desert. The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
And Israelites said, uh, said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert, this wilderness, to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they were able to follow my instructions. Once again, God miraculously takes care of the need. Isn't that just like God? And Israel enjoys the provision of God once again, and they begin to walk in the favor of God. But then the people of God become preoccupied with what they don't have instead of what they do have. You see, they didn't have a ready ready supply of meat, but they did have manna, this supernatural provision that God had provided for them. They forgot what God had already accomplished for them, forgot about God's power and God's favor. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Now this is a message for another day. God had already supplied everything that they need, and now they dare to ask who shall give us flesh to eat. We remember the fish that we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And once again, you guessed it, God does the supernatural Because he really favors his people. Numbers 11 and verse 31, And the Lord went, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp as there were two cubits high on the face of the earth. The, the scripture tells us that after this the people began to gather and they began to eat. In fact, more than they should have, and that's another message for another day. So God gives them what they need and provides that they sense that favor once again. Then in Numbers 20, God gives them water from not a well, not a spring, not a place where you would in any sense think that you would find water. But God gives them water from a rock. Numbers 20 and verse 9, And Moses took the rod before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear ye now, ye rebels, we must fetch water out of this rock. And Moses lifted his hand and his rod, and he smote the rock twice, and water came out not just a little, but abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. A place where you're not even supposed to find water. In fact, they had no business getting water from a rock, but they had the favor of God. The Scripture tells us that God kept their clothes from wearing out for more than 40 years. Deuteronomy 29 and 5, for 40 years, God says, I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and your sandals did not wear out. God blessed Israel abundantly, but every time they encountered opposition, every time that huge amount of goodness was faced up with even one small bad thing, they would quickly forget about the favor of God that was upon their lives. 
I believe this morning that God wants to lead you and I into realms of the Spirit that we haven't even began to experience as of yet. But if we are going to go there, we must learn to walk in and we must learn to live in the favor of God. You see, the favor of God, it is plentiful in our lives this morning. If we would just take kind of the secular of it, if you would look at a chart, if you have water to drink and a roof over your head this morning and food to consume, you are in the 95 percentile of wealth in our entire world. Can I tell you, you are blessed this morning. But when you begin to add that to the spiritual blessings that God's put in your life, the fact that he's called you out of darkness into his light, the fact that he's touched your family, the fact that he's touched our mind, the fact that he does uh, things that we can't do and, and brings things that we're business where things have no business coming from, just like water from a rock, in those moments, if we could realize the favor of God that is upon our life, it will change the way you live. The favor of God, it is plentiful in your life and in my life. But we must allow God to be that favor. And we must not allow our minds to forget it. We have to walk in it. We have to live in it. We have to. Psalm 78 and verse 42, it says, They, being Israel, remembered not his hand, being the Lord, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. What a dangerous place to be if you've been saved. If you've been rescued, to forget the hand that rescued you. They went back and forth in their wanderings for more than 40 years in the wilderness, walking by faith one day and walking by feeling the next day. They would switch back and forth, one trusting in what man could do, the next day trusting in what God could do. The fact is, before they ever crossed the Jordan and went into Canaan, the promised land, Israel had to settle something in their mind. That was this. God's favor was on them no matter where they were. God's favor was on them no matter what state they were in. God's favor was on them no matter what situation they found themselves in. God's favor was on them no matter where the enemy was in relation to their life. God's favor was on them even when they didn't feel his favor on them. God's favor was on them even when their prayer didn't seem to get through. God's favor is on you this morning. You need to trust in the God. You need to trust in the one who's worked wonders in your life. Trust in the God who's rescued you. Trust in the God who has delivered you. As humanity, we must allow God to touch our earthly minds. This is why we need to do what Paul suggested. He said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Let the Holy Ghost change some things in your mind. Why? That you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When your mind is transformed, you're not going to have a problem remembering the favor of God in your life. Paul urged us to allow God to trans, uh, to allow God to transform us by this uh, work of the mind. It's a powerful work that only the Spirit itself can do in our life. I know a young man that's studying to be a brain surgeon, but there's not a brain surgeon in the world that could open you up and change you to what God desires you to be. 
It is a work of the Spirit and can only be done through the Spirit. It's got to be negativity bias out and God bias in. Let the Spirit of God become the keeper of your mind. Finally, brother, and whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Another version says, finally in conclusion, or now then, brothers and sisters, think about or focus your thoughts on, fill your mind with things that are true and honorable and right and just, and pure, and beautiful, and lovely, and respected, and commendable. If there is anything that is good, if there is anything that is morally excellent, if there is anything that is worthy of praise, think about, focus your thoughts on, fill your minds with these things. I want to think about things that are excellent. Things that are praiseworthy. Thoughts that make me know the favor of God is in my life. Well, how do I do that? I just think about how God saved me one day. I just think about how God intervened for me one day. I just think about how God rescued me. How he healed me. How he provided for me. How he touched me. How he delivered me. How he brought me out. How he set me free. How he gives me peace. How he shows his love. God is here this morning. His favor is in this room. And that's the kind of thoughts that will cause your faith to rise, cause you to experience new territory in the Spirit, cause you to experience and enter into the promise where you've been wandering in a wilderness for 40 years. But when you get rid of that and you sense the favor of God is pushing you and thrusting you into a new place, you'll be able to experience promise. In case you don't know it already, you're already blessed. You don't have to wait for the conclusion of this service this morning. You already have the favor of God on you. I want to declare to you this morning that God will not forget you. God will not fail you. Our God will not forsake you. What an amazing and awesome God we have. You're already blessed. You wouldn't be here today without the blessing of God. David was wise enough to know that he was only alive because of the favor of God. Psalm 124, verse 1. He leads off with this. You can tell this is controlling his whole thought process as he begins to write. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. Let the church repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side? They would have swallowed us alive. In their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. The torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We are escaped like a bird from the hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We must live our life with these realities in mind like the psalmist talks about. Will we encounter trouble? You better believe we will. Will we be forced to walk through trial? Oh, yes, we will. Will we be forced to lose people? Oh, a thousand times, yes, we'll be forced to lose people. Will we face tests? Yes, we will. But we have a God who is on our side, and that, my friend, is what makes all the difference this morning. Musicians, you can come back and help me this morning.
I've sensed the favor of God upon this service today from the very beginning until this moment right now. The encourager and the comforter, he is here to help you. His name is Jesus and he loves you and he favors you more than anything you will ever know. In fact, I think he's already delivered some that are here this morning, even today. You know, he works when we don't even know it. Scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means he goes ahead of us, and he takes things down that will hurt us, and he puts things up that will help us. He, he goes ahead. Why? Because his favor is upon your life this morning. His name is Jesus. He loves you this morning. He favors you. Have you ever let your mind wander to that terrible place where you think, if it wasn't for the Lord... If it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side, what shape would my life be in? The songwriter said, if it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? My life was nothing until he set me free. What a change he made in my life. No more compromising the wrong for the right. He made a difference. He made a difference in my life. Then the chorus says, I don't walk like I used to walk. He made the difference. I don't talk like I used to talk. He made the difference. I don't live like I used to live. He made the difference. I don't give like I used to give. He made the difference. He gives me joy that can't be surpassed. I'm on a cloud from the first moment to the last. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. He calms my fears. He lets me know that I am not alone. Oh, what a change. And I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. As you stand to your feet this morning, is there anybody glad about the change that he's made in your life? Is there anybody glad about the favor that he has brought to your life? I'm glad about it this morning. Oh, come on, son. Somebody, just sense the favor of God in this room right now. You know what you've said. If it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? Oh, the favor of God, it changes everything. The psalmist Asaph in 77, 10 to 12, he said, and I said, this is my infirmity. This is my trouble. This is my test. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And in those things I will meditate also in all thy work and talk of all your doings. Job, even in the middle of his darkest days, even in the middle of a place where everything had been ripped from him, his family, his health, his home, his livelihood, his finances, everything had been taken from him. But Job said this in 10 and 12. He says, thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. God, I'm in a tough state right now. You've seen what's happened in my life. You've seen how the enemy has brought opposition to my life. You've seen how the enemy has torn down everything that is valuable to me. But God, in the middle of that dark place, you visited me. 
In the middle of that dark place, I heard your voice. I sensed your encouragement. I was blessed by your favor even then. The psalmist said in 41 and 11, By this I know that thou favorest me, because my enemy doth not triumph over me. I'm forsaken, but I've never been destroyed. I'm cast down, but the enemy hasn't killed me yet. Somebody said that favor isn't fair. Well, you know, favor of God, it's not fair. It's just there. Everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, everywhere we end up, the favor of God ends up being on our life. If you could just go ahead and thank him for his favor right now, his spirit is in this room. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, God. Lord, I know, Jesus, that you didn't bring me, God, this far to leave me, God. You didn't bring me to a place where I would swim and you're never going to let me drown, God. You didn't bring me here, God, so you could go somewhere else, Lord. In this moment in time, God, your favor is upon my life, God. Lord, I sent your spirit here this morning. They're going to begin to sing. If you've ever sensed the favor of God, I wonder if you would gather with me at this altar this morning and begin to let your heart cry out in gratitude. Let thanksgiving begin to come from your spirit because when you begin to remember that, this bad things that you've been going through, those rotten times that you've been in the middle of, they're going to go fadely dim in the light of his glory, in the light of his grace, and in the light of his favor. Let's